Four more days. Four more days. Four more days. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And as you heard, the sense of urgency in my voice, the clock is ticking fast, folks. By the time you actually hear this, we will actually be three days away from the 2017 NFL Draft. And tonight, here on Sports Crutch with D. Crom, we cover our final group of 2017 draft prospects, the prospects who happen to play the most important position in all sports, quarterback. And to help us analyze the quarterbacks that are on the minds of many NFL teams right now, it is an extreme pleasure to welcome to the program for the very first time, Mr. Aaron Lemming. Aaron is an NFL insider who covers the Chicago Bears for BearReport.com. It's great to have you here, and how are you doing? Oh, doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome, Aaron. Thank you for uh, donating your time and your uh, insider knowledge uh, to our program during this uh, exceptionally busy time of year, arguably my favorite time of the non-playing season, which is obviously the draft. And uh, let's uh, um, uh, get down to business here. And uh, about a week or so ago, former NFL scouting director Greg Gabriel, who writes for Pro Football Weekly and is a regular voice on 670 The Score in Chicago, He tweeted that he had a conversation with three former general managers who remain in the loop, and each of them believes that six to seven quarterbacks will go in the first round. Do you share that sentiment based on what you are hearing? Uh, No, I think think it's a solid bet that four will go. I I think Davis Webb could end up slipping in, which would make it five. But uh, overall, I think uh, your top four, you know, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes, I'd say are all but a lock to make, uh, make it in, you know, the first round. I, uh, that is, uh, the sentiment that I get too, but I'm talking about the first two rounds. Each said oh. six to seven within the first, uh, two rounds. And you share that sentiment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I could see, I don't know about seven, but I could definitely see six cause you have, uh, you know, obviously Davis Webb's up there. He's been seen get a lot of hype lately and between, uh, Nathan Peterman out of Pitt or maybe, uh, Brad Kai out of Miami. I mean, those are two guys that could very easily slip into the second round and it wouldn't shock me one bit. Me neither. And uh, what teams uh, do you see pulling the trigger on a quarterback uh, in round one in particular? Well, I think uh, you've got a you got a pretty good amount of teams that may not have a uh, I guess you could say direct need. Um, you know, you have you have teams like Arizona with Carson Palmer. Uh, you have teams like uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers um, that that have a need for a developmental guy, but may not need that guy right away. But I mean, just kind of going down the list, uh, the Cleveland Browns, the San Francisco 49ers, Chicago bears right off the bat. I mean, those are the top three picks in the draft. Uh, those are all teams that, you know, need quarterbacks right now. The bears signed Mike Glennon. I mean, it's essentially a one year deal with the way you look at guarantees. So, uh, obviously quarterback is definitely still going to be an option for them. The Browns and the, the 49ers are in that same boat. They have a veteran stop yet, but they don't have that future guy. Uh, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, another team that could surprise, uh, somebody, uh, but I don't think they're going to go with anybody in the first round. I'd say out of those top three picks, the bears would probably be the only team, uh, that would realistically take a uh, quarterback, especially look at the Browns. I know there's been a lot of rumors going around that, uh, miles Garrett may not be that guy. Um, but you know, keep in mind, they do also have the 12th overall pick. So I think, uh, between one of those two picks, probably the 12th. So those would be two teams right there. Uh, I also think you have the Arizona Cardinals who seem like a pretty good bet at this point. Um, whether that be uh, Deshaun Kaiser or maybe a Patrick Mahomes, I think that would be another team that would uh, definitely kick the tires. Um, Washington Redskins are another team to watch out for. Um, Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's obviously it's, it's been quite the, uh, 
quite the talk over the last two years with them franchising him. Um, I don't think ultimately they will go quarterback in the first round, but I think, uh, you know, out of the three teams I've just mentioned that I do think will. And I think the other team that you're really looking at here is going to be the Houston Texans. I mean, they, uh, they traded Brock Osweiler. Um, they don't really have much of an option outside of uh, Tom Savage, which I've watched Tom Savage play in college. I've watched him play in the pros. Uh, he seems to me like kind of a Brian Hoyer type. I mean, he's a, he's a good, uh, stop gap, I guess you could say. And he's a nice, uh, depth feast to have, but he doesn't really bring that upside that you would want in a starting quarterback. Uh, so those would be my teams right there. I think the, the the sleeper in all of this could be the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, Alex Smith is there, but I think uh, it does make some sense for them to try to upgrade. I mean, they've had quite a good team for a while, and they just can't seem to get over the hump, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't have uh, a good enough quarterback to be able to do that. Alex Smith is a nice game manager. Um, he's not really going to hurt you, but he's also not somebody who, I mean, he's proven that he really can't seem to get over the hump in the playoffs. So, uh, I, like I said, those are probably my uh, four teams right there. The Houston Texans do make a lot of sense. There has been some rumors, so it, it wouldn't surprise me to see them take, uh, you know, somebody on the defensive side of the ball and then the, the Chiefs swoop in at 27 and take a quarterback as well. Another team uh, rumored to be strongly in the quarterback market is the Buffalo Bills. The Bills uh, have been uh, meeting uh, with all the uh, top-notch quarterback prospects in uh, this year's uh, draft class. And not only that, the owner, Terry Pagula, has been attending uh, those meetings. And for that reason alone, uh, many analysts believe that Buffalo is not uh, bluffing here. Uh, Yes, uh, uh, they have Tyrod Taylor, and he's been efficient over two years. But the fact that they only extended him for two more years uh, says something, and they might want to look to the long term here, especially given that they're anxious to end their uh, their long, long, long playoff drought. And uh, so my question is, do you think Buffalo, would you be surprised if Buffalo went quarterback in round one? Uh, Buffalo wouldn't surprise me, although I think they're at a point right now, at least with their current roster, where they're, I think they're, they're a lot closer to a win now window than some of these other teams. And I think, especially when you look at receiver, I mean, they've got somebody like a a Sammy Watkins who really hasn't lived up to that hype and personally. Personally, at least what I have them doing right now is taking a receiver at 10. Now, obviously, it wouldn't surprise me if they take a quarterback, but they seem, at least to me, they seem more primed to take one of those guys in round two or three, uh, you know, like a like a, a Davis Webb or a Nathan Peterman or even a Brad Kai, maybe a Josh Dobbs. I mean, I, I just don't see, especially with their needs, I mean, you, have, you look at some of the other teams, uh, playoff caliber teams like the Cardinals, who... I, I don't think it's going to be a big impact to them if they were to add a quarterback in the first round versus a team like the Bills, where if they add a, a top-notch receiver or tight end like O.J. Howard, I think that may help them at least get over the top into the playoffs uh, and and be able to bide some time to be able to develop a quarterback in the later rounds. I mean, at least with me, I'm a I'm a Tyrod Taylor guy. I don't think he's a, you know a, a world beater by any means, but I think he's an above-average quarterback that can uh, do pretty well. I thought it was a a little bit interesting the way they handled the situation this season, but uh, I mean, it's never a bad idea to have you know two good options as quarterback. But I'm not 100% sold um, that they're willing to to take a quarterback that high in the draft, especially with their current situation and what they have on the rosters in terms of holes. He's Aaron Lemming, ladies and gentlemen of BearReport.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. And uh, Aaron, you had a very interesting uh, scoop. Uh, in the, it, it, that you shared with us via Twitter this past week. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, uh, Aaron covers the Chicago Bears for BearReport.com and is uh, and has good connections within that uh, organization and in the NFL uh, in general. And you said that that we should not be surprised, one iota, if the Bears select 
Deshaun Watson out of Clemson at three overall. Like, can you uh, take our listeners further into uh, that story, please? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, you know, the, the draft process as a whole is a lot of deception. And that's something to kind of keep in mind with a lot of these rumors going around, including what I've heard. Uh, you know, and it, it's it's been tough, especially since Ryan Pace has stepped in as a general manager. He's really locked things down. But what I will say is that uh, ranging back into about the middle of January, I was told uh, from somebody that I trust that uh, they had identified Deshaun Watson as their top quarterback. And as things have gone on, um, I've kind of noticed a few trends in terms of what they've been doing uh, as far as quarterback visits. I mean, they've met with all all the top quarterbacks, at least reportedly, you know, met with all the top quarterbacks, uh, including, uh, uh, you know, you've got Mitch Trubisky, uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser, sorry, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Nathan Peterman and Brad Kaya, uh, the only ones that they hadn't, uh, actually put on paper, at least, was uh, Davis Webb and then uh, Deshaun Watson. But the more and more digging I started doing into it, uh, got a confirmation from two separate people that the Bears had actually indeed met with Deshaun Watson uh, shortly after the combine for a private meeting. So uh, the more and more I started digging into it, the more and more I started realizing that uh, there was a little bit more to this. And uh, pretty much to make a long story short, uh, I have been told that uh, they have identified Deshaun Watson is not only their quarterback one, but uh, their top pick in the draft. Now, obviously, you know, things have been kind of going a little haywire, especially with the Bears as of late in terms of, you know, are they going to take uh, Mitch Trubisky? Are they going to take uh, Deshaun Watson? Uh, or are they going to go defense? And I think some people look at what they've done with Mike Glennon and they say, okay, well, you know, he's on a three-year deal, so they're not going to go quarterback very high. But when you actually look at the deal, uh, within that three-year, $45 million deal that he signed, he only has $18.5 million, $18 million guaranteed. So you look at that and you say, okay, that's that's pretty much a one-year deal. So uh, to me, at least, when I look at what the Bears are doing and what situation they're in, they're on two different timelines. You have Ryan Pace's timeline where he's going to get more than just this year, even if they have another rough season. Uh, so he's going to have a shot at a second coach, and he needs to have more than one opportunity in terms of quarterback, which – you get Mike Glennon, who's a veteran option there, uh, only 27 years old. He's got some starting experience, was in a pretty rough situation at Tampa Bay. Uh, and then if you take somebody high, you're basically giving yourself two shots. And then you have a guy like uh, John Fox, who's our head coach, who is firmly planted on the hot seat. Uh, he has nine wins in two years as the, as the team's head coach. Uh, that's something that they really didn't expect coming in. Uh, they went from 6-10 and 10 to 3-13. and 13, So that obviously is not very good, even in the middle of a rebuild when you uh, somehow regress three wins like that. So really what you're looking at is you have two different timelines. And obviously John Fox is never really outside of Peyton Manning, which they got uh, in free agency with Denver. Uh, he's never really had a uh, really a, a top quarterback that he's drafted. Um, and really even going back to the, his time in, uh, in Carolina. So I think you have two different things going on here, but ultimately this is Ryan Pace's team and Ryan Pace is going to do what's best for the team and obviously what's going to save his job. And this is a quarterback driven league, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to uh, some people are higher on the quarterback class like myself, and some people don't see any first round talent here. Personally, I have four quarterbacks graded out in the top uh, 
I think 25 picks in this draft. Um, and obviously that's going to be different with everybody, but at least from what I've been told, the bears have identified Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. And I think they're going to be in every, you know, in a very good position to be able to grab him at number three, even if people view that as a reach, uh, it's worth keeping in mind, these reaches and these draft grades only go so far because as soon as these players start playing and you start seeing how good they are, how bad they are, then that's really the true judgment. Aaron, you just brought up a very interesting point there. You just essentially said that you are higher on this draft class than most of the drafted community are. And the consensus amongst draft Twitter and all those entities is that there is nothing exciting whatsoever about this quarterback class. Yet on the other hand, Greg Gabriel himself noted the frequency in which teams are conducting individual workouts with these quarterbacks pre-draft. And that implies that the NFL is higher on this class than um, all the uh, those so-called uh, draft experts are. And uh, why is your overall opinion tend to align more with the NFL's point of view than with the draft community's point of view when it comes to this uh, quarterback class? You know, I, I think when you when you look at the draft as a whole, the, the evaluation process is very subjective. And, I, you know, I mean, we see it every year with, uh, you know, these high picks busting and we have other low picks, you know, in the in the in the fourth, fifth rounds that are guys that end up being franchise caliber players, regardless if that's that quarterback or whatever position that may be. So I think it's it's very, uh, you know, it's very worth keeping in mind that the draft process as a whole is not uh, really a perfect calculation in any way, shape or form. So when I look at this quarterback class, uh, I see, I see a lot of good talent. Obviously there's, there's some negatives there. Um, and we can, we can get into every single one of these guys, but I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of positives. And I think the biggest thing in like Greg Gabriel said that the, the media may not be as high, you know, a guy like Mike Mayock, uh, his, his, openly said and the same thing with Mel Kuyper that he doesn't really view many of these guys as first round talents if any and and that's fine I mean that's these guys have been doing a long time they get paid for it I don't um you know and I, I completely respect their opinion but one of the the fun parts of the draft process is being able to go in and watch and really have a, a mind of your own and be able to have your own thoughts on 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 the process in general everybody's going to miss everybody's going to hit that's just the way it goes but when I look at this quarterback class I see uh, different guys that fit in different places. Now, you know, a prime example would be a team like the Chicago Bears. So on my board, I have Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes. In order, those are my top four quarterbacks. Now, if it's me, I'm looking at this, and I think that uh, Mitch Trubisky is my number one quarterback for multiple reasons. I don't think he is particularly elite at anything, but he's very good at a lot of things. I think a lot of people... Uh, want to knock him for 13 games that he started. He only started the one year. I get that. That's fine. But when I look at the tape with him and all these other guys, to me, he seems to have the, I would say, the best overall skill set. And to me, he's almost, he, he, I would say he probably has the safest floor. Um, but with a team like the Bears, uh, obviously their evaluation is going to be a little bit different. So although I may value a Mitch Trubisky, uh, slightly higher, usually uh, right about 10 picks higher than somebody like a Deshaun Watson, they may feel that he fits their scheme better. And I think that's what you're going to see with a lot of these teams. Uh, you know, a team like the Arizona Cardinals, for example, uh, they have the ability to let uh, any of these quarterbacks that they were, would take be able to sit back uh, at least, you know, for let's just say, you know, six to eight games in a season, depending on what happens with uh, Carson, uh, uh, Carson Palmer. But uh, you know, there's other teams that don't really have, uh, aren't going to have that opportunity. So I think a lot of this is going to come down to fit. Um, if it's me personally, 
the two quarterbacks that I see, um, and people are going to disagree with that, and that's completely fine, but the two quarterbacks that I see that I think could start from day one uh, would be Mitch Trubisky and Deshaun Kaiser, and that's why I have them one and two. Uh, now, Deshaun Kaiser and Deshaun Watson are very close evaluations for me. I both have a uh, actually a, a, a very similar grade, the same grade, um, but you just kind of have to pick and choose who you would rather, uh, I guess, you, who you'd rather prefer in that situation. They have somebody like a Patrick Mahomes who has a very elite skill set, um, played very sloppy uh, mechanics-wise, uh, but I think he has a very high ceiling, and I think he's somebody that you would want to see go to a team that maybe, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, who have Ben Roethlisberger, who's probably going to play another two or three years. Maybe somebody like a Patrick Mahomes would make sense for them because he can sit back, he can learn an offensive system, and he can learn how to be an NFL quarterback instead of playing that 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 backyard playground type of style. So I think it's it's really worth keeping in mind when you're looking at this quarterback class, even going down uh, into the in the later rounds, that a lot of this is going to be fit driven. Um, you know, a team like the San Francisco 49ers may value uh, somebody like a Mitch Trubisky a little higher because, at least in my opinion, uh, my pro comp to him would be a, a more athletic uh, Matt Ryan versus a team like the Bears who have obviously, at least some, you know, what I've been told, have identified their uh, their guy as Deshaun Watson, and they have their reasons for that. So I think, like I said, I think a lot of this just comes down to the simple fact that every team is going to have a different evaluation and a different preference on these guys, and some of it has to do with offensive scheme, and some of it has to do with the responsibilities that they're going to have. Aaron, you just uh, alluded to a very uh, key point that I want to address um, with you right now. Uh, you mentioned uh, that should the Arizona Cardinals or the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Kansas City Chiefs, teams like those, decide to uh, draft their quarterback of the future, um, uh, they will probably um, uh, let groom them for about like s- as little as six to eight games or up to a year, if not two. And uh, this comes to this uh, polarizing debate amongst the uh, NFL uh, draft community is that many agree on one hand that rookie quarterbacks being ready to play on day one are the exception as opposed to the rule. And people with that line of thought also believe, like I just said, that quarterbacks must sit a year or two before hitting the field in order to avoid studying their growth. But on the flip side, there are some who believe that rookie quarterbacks need to play right off the bat because it will stunt their growth if they sit. Where does your opinion lie on the spectrum? I think it's a case-by-case basis, and it's actually very interesting that you bring that up because Mike Mayock uh, had just uh, spoke a few days ago about the fact that he believes that in order to take a quarterback uh, in the top 10, top 15 picks, that he must be a day-one starter. And personally, I I don't really – I don't agree with that as a whole. And I think a prime example of that would be – let's look back at last year's class, and you you see a guy like Jared Goff, and you see a guy like Carson Wentz, and then you have somebody like a Dak Prescott. So – Everybody that I talked to, including myself, I was high on Prescott, but there's no way that I thought he was going to be able to do what he did in year one. I think some of that has to do uh, just with the situation in general. But let's just let's just narrow it down to Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. A lot of people thought that Jared Goff was a ready week one starter that you could just plug and play and that Carson Wentz was a guy that was going to need more development due to uh, the college that he played at and the level of competition that he faced. But we saw the exact opposite happen. We saw somebody with like Jared Goff that really struggled through training camp. Uh, granted, it was a very poor offensive system, in my opinion. I, I think the, the the team as a whole really lacked the uh, the co- in the coaching department. But you had somebody like that who seemed to be such a sure thing as a week one starter, and then you had somebody like Carson Wentz, who the Eagles got a nice I, I hate to say it a nice break, but. At the same time, they were very fortunate to be in a situation where uh, where Teddy Bridgewater went down with an injury, and they were able to trade Sam Bradford. And 
you saw Carson Wentz step in, and quite frankly, I mean, his first six to eight games were very impressive. I watched most of those games, obviously, tail off a little bit at the end, and that's to be expected. But I think that goes to show you that this is a case-by-case basis with these quarterbacks, even with a guy like Dak Prescott. Uh, he was somebody who'd shown a lot of development his last two years uh, in college, but nobody really thought that he was going to be ready to go week one. And I think that kind of goes back to this, the, the situations that we talk about with each team. Uh, you know, And I think one of the biggest things is having a solid offensive line. That was something that we saw as an issue with the, the Rams all year last year was the fact that Jared Goff was really just kind of set up to fail. I mean, their offense was was very bad. Their interior line was very bad. Uh, the pass protection as a whole wasn't very good. I mean, uh, Todd Gurley wasn't running the ball very well, and that's not a situation that you want to put a rookie quarterback in uh, versus a team like Philadelphia who had things a little bit more figured out. And like I said, uh, you know, obviously Carson Wentz struggled a little bit down the stretch, but I think out of all these guys, I think uh, the prime example would be, and this is something that you won't see very often, would be a Dak Prescott. He got put in a perfect situation where he had a very good offense. He had the best line in the league by far. Uh, so he was able to sit back. Uh, he wasn't forced to make a lot of uh, uncomfortable throws. He had a very good running game with Zeke Elliott, uh, who was taken uh, – you know, in the in the first round in the top five. So I, I think it really comes down to situation. Um, but I, I don't think you can really group these guys in. Like I said, I think it kind of goes back to the evaluation process as a whole. I mean, we can make as many judgments as we want with any prospect, regardless of position, but we really don't know how they're going to play, you know, how it's going to pan out until they start playing games. And, and some guys are just more impressive than those. That's why we see undrafted free agents every year who somehow make a bigger impact than sometimes first rounders. It just... It's never going to be a perfect process, but I think uh, you know people should take it with a with a case by case. So you know you can have the expectation, you can have the projection, but when it comes down to it, and until you start seeing these guys in the mini camps and the training camp and how they do in preseason to really gauge where they are, somebody uh, you know some of these guys, especially at the quarterback position, are just mentally uh, superior in terms of learning and being able to understand offenses. And some guys just are physically gifted and able to pick it up. So like I said, I think it's a case by case. Case-by-case process, for sure. Oh, it, it absolutely is a case-by-case process. Uh, as uh, And I, I often say last year, like, say, uh, and it's important to know that the Cowboys' original target was Paxton Lynch in round one. And if they got Paxton Lynch and the Broncos got uh, Dak Prescott, I think uh, the stats on both of those uh, quarterbacks last season in their rookie year might have been reversed because of uh, the situations. Because uh, Paxton Lynch, in my opinion, was set up to fail because it was a, an offense that was like a completely f- different foreign language, 180 degrees different from what he had in college. And uh, and they kind of like put a, him, a, a square peg in a round hole with them. And I think that's one of the main reasons why the Broncos uh, changed uh, offensive schemes uh, this past season. and. Uh, and Prescott was behind the best offensive line in football that that gave him plenty of time to throw that he didn't have to make uh, those complicated throws. He just had to make one or two reads and then throw a run. So uh, uh, do, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think Dak Prescott is one of those situations that you'd love to put any rookie quarterback in. Unfortunately, that's just not going to happen. I think uh, – it was it was an interesting situation to see how that all unfolded, and I think people get a little too carried away with looking for that that Dak Prescott every year. That's not the, the, having a quarterback succeed out of the the first round is not a normality. It may be more common than it once was, but doing the research on it, when you look at uh, basically a top five quarterback, a top five pick, uh, they have a fifty nine percent chance of actually being a successful quarterback, making at least one Pro Bowl, and having top 15 numbers. 
And then you look at that outside of the outside of the first round, and you look at that from the second round on to the seventh round, and not only did the numbers go massively up because you have a lot more teams willing to take chances on those developmental quarterbacks, but the percentage of that goes from 59 down to 11%. And that's something that I think a lot of people need to keep in mind. I mean, those the numbers of uh, you know a quarterback in the top five, um, you know the the success rate there versus the numbers of the the rounds two through seven quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's basically, at least uh, from what I remember, that was right about eight times the amount. There was about 300 and some odd quarterbacks uh, in those that two to seven round range, and only 11% of those succeeded. So I think people need to be careful when they're looking for that diamond in the rough, that developmental quarterback. I think you know people get a little too carried away with that term, that a developmental quarterback. Every quarterback is developmental. Uh, regardless if you're taking an Andrew Luck first overall, I think we've seen a lot of that. I think Andrew Luck has been somebody who, in my opinion, hasn't really been set up to succeed, especially with his offensive line in, the, in a questionable running game. I think I think most people would have thought that he would have been farther along, not to say that he's a bad quarterback because he is a good quarterback, but you would you would want to see more development versus somebody like a you know a Dak Prescott. But the the most common success rate that you're going to see in any given draft class is always going to be within the top five. Uh, and, you know, it, it, like I said, there's there's anomalies outside of that, like a Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Um, but those aren't the normalities. And I think that's something that people need to understand when really looking at the numbers and seeing how important the quarterback is. Uh, position is in general uh, it's something that you want to take multiple shots on obviously but you usually want to take uh, I guess lower risk shots which would be in the first round of the draft speaking of diamonds in the rough as you alluded to um, name some quarterbacks that you expect to go like on day three of the draft that have the potential to surprise us someday you know I I think that's it's a little a uh, little interesting to see. Personally, I have a fourth round grade on uh, Brad Kaya, and I think he's somebody who who could develop into a, a nice starter. I think the biggest knock that I have with him is the fact that he's very unathletic, and I think he's really uh, your prototypical pocket passer. Um, and I think that could work depending on uh, what kind of scheme he's on. I think the only other guy that I would really uh, pinpoint that would be probably in the in the day three uh area would be uh joshua dobbs out of tennessee i think this is a very smart guy i think he's got a lot of uh a lot of what you look for in a quarterback but i think this is going to be somebody who's going to need to sit back and really uh really develop for at least a year or two but i know some people are hiring gerard evans out of virginia tech uh, i i've watched him multiple times and for whatever reason i just he's just somebody that i don't i don't see it with and Obviously, everybody's going to have their different, uh, you know, their different evaluations. But I, I think this is a very top-heavy quarterback class, and I think you're going to get some of those, uh, you know, second and third-round picks that could pan out. But overall, I don't really see a guy, um, you know, talking about those fourth-round and on picks outside of maybe a Josh Dobbs or a Brad Kaya that could really step in and be that next, that uh, you know, the next Kirk Cousins uh, by any means. He's Aaron Lemming, ladies and gentlemen, of BeerReport.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Aaron Lemming NFL. And it's been nothing short of a, a pleasure to get to talk about this uh, quarterback class with you uh, four nights before uh, the most exciting night of the year, which is obviously NFL draft night. But uh, before we go, we're going to play a little game here, and it's a game I call Absolutes. And in this game, I am going to name a trait that NFL teams look for in a quarterback and uh, you just uh, mentioned which prospect you believe uh, has the best characteristic um, in the class. And uh, starting with intangibles and leadership, which quarterback prospect has the best intangibles and leadership? Oh, man, without a doubt, Deshaun Watson. That That is his forte to a uh, T right there. How about arm strength? 
Arm strength, uh, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. I think uh, between him and Deshaun Kaiser is close, but Patrick Mahomes, is, uh, his arm talent in general is outrageous. And they say arm strength is good, but accuracy is more important. What, who, Which quarterback prospect has the best accuracy in this class? Uh, Mitch Trubisky. I think he's got a uh, well above average arm, but I think his accuracy out of all the quarterbacks in this draft is uh, very superior. And I think he that's what makes him, or one of the reasons he makes him my uh, number one quarterback. Poise under pressure, as in feeling the rush. Which quarterback has the best ability to feel the rush? No, I would say that had to be uh, Nathan Peterman. I think he came from a, a pro-style offense and did pretty well under pressure. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the quarterbacks in general had some uh, had some issues, and I think you could pro- kind of put Deshaun Watson in that category. Although I think with uh, Deshaun Watson, I think he was a little bit more of a scramble quarterback, and that's not going to work at the next level. Which quarterback prospect has the best pocket presence and pocket awareness? Pocket presence and pocket awareness. That is a good man. That's a good question. That's. Uh, I'm going to say Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, I think he's one of those quarterbacks that has a lot of athleticism, and but he chooses to use it at the right times. I think you could also make a, a good argument for Mr. Bisky. But with Kaiser, uh, I, I've seen a lot of times where he's been able to step up in the pocket, take the hit, and still make the throw. So that, that's who I'm going to go with there. Which quarterback prospect has the best mobility and escapability? Mobility, escapability is going to be Deshaun Watson, and not far behind him would definitely be Mitch Trubisky. And which quarterback prospect has the best athletic measurables? Ooh, athletic measurables. Ah, man, that's a good question. I'm going to go ahead and say Deshaun Kaiser. I think he's a, he's a big guy, uh, very athletic, but knows how to use his body. Thank you very much once again, Aaron, for donating your uh, time and your insider information with us. And this is going to be a very unpredictable draft, ladies and gentlemen. So um, uh, buckle up and uh, thank you very much, Jared, for um, uh, coming on the show to share your insight on this quarterback class with us and what we can expect to see uh, Thursday night and throughout uh, late next week. Take care, Aaron. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome, Aaron. Thank you once again. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crown. But we will be back here on Wednesday with a very special Draft Eve show with our good friend Shelby Dermer. And it will be a live mock draft that you do not want to miss. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out our complete broadcast archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And that is Crunch with a K. For Aaron Lemming, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell saying so long and stay awesome. <laughs>